Well, bless the wonderful name of Jesus, everyone. Hello, this is Pastor Mark A. Stroud, and I thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the sub-series entitled Doors. Today's message is entitled, Don't Open That Door. There's something there that you don't want to come in and influence your life. We're going to talk about that today and a whole lot more. And I want to give out a special thank you so much for all of you that came out and supported the Think Jesus Think Church revival event. It was an absolute success. People from all around came out and we had a wonderful time in Jesus. We're going to have some pictures up on the website shortly to let you see some things that went on. It was just a dynamic time and I'm just so glad that you were there to support us. Keep your ears open for more events that will be sponsored by the Harrelson County Ministers Association. We're on the move for Christ. Well, without any further ado, here comes today's message entitled, Don't Open That Door, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Genesis, the uh, fourth chapter, Genesis 4. We're going to render this word before you today. As we are focusing still in the subject in the vast, um, vast series entitled The King's Meat. We're going to get the king's meat out of us. That is this worldly system, this worldly system of things. Get it out of us. Purge ourselves. Purge our soul from the entanglements of this world system. And uh, we're going to see the glory of God really revealed in us. So we're in this um, sub-series in there. It's called Doors. And today we'll be speaking from the subject of don't open that door. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't open that door. Tell them, don't open that door. Hallelujah. Well, let's go to Genesis, the fourth chapter. Genesis 4, verse number 1 reads like this. And Adam knew Eve, his wife. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of ground. And in, and in process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought unto, Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto unto, uh, Abel and unto his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was wroth, he was angry, and his countenance fell. He looked sad or sorrowful, he looked dejected. Verse 6 says, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? Now let me stop here for a moment. Anytime God asks you a question, he's not asking you a question so that he'll find out. He already knows. He's trying to bring something to your attention. Okay? He already knows. Like when he asked uh, them further on in, uh, after Adam and Eve, um, they've eaten of the forbidden fruit. Rather, um, in chapter three, uh, and he asked him, Adam, Eve, where, where are you? Where are you, Adam? It wasn't like he didn't know. It's kind of like you play hide and seek with your, uh, three year old or two year old. You see them standing in the corner, they, they, they cover their face. 
You can't find me. You can't find me. You already know where they are. But the Lord's bringing something to your attention. And so he's asking them here, asking Cain, uh, why are you wroth or why are you angry? And why are your continents, why have your continents fallen? Why are you looking so sad? He's trying to bring something to Cain's attention. Verse 7 says, if thou doest well, thou shalt, rather, shalt thou not be accepted? Uh, and if thou doest not well, what happens? Sin lieth where? At the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. All right? Sin desires you. It desires you. We read even out of the New Living Translation uh, how it says that sin is crouching at the door, and it is eager to control you. Sin desires you. It's eager to control you, but you must subdue it. You must subdue it. Hallelujah. And the Lord, of course, was speaking prophetically to Cain and speaking prophetically to us today, letting us know that he would give us the power through Christ to subdue that entity, that thing called sin. Amen. All right. Let me we talked last week and we said that uh, God saw that the sin was at the door. He told Cain that sin was at the door, but the Lord didn't do anything to remove the sin. He didn't do anything to remove the sin. He simply told Cain what it was, what it was going to do, and Cain had to make a decision whether to follow after that sin or follow after God. The Lord told Cain, Lord, he told Cain, Cain, simply, if you would do right, you will be accepted. If you do right, you will be accepted. In other words, Cain, you know what to do. You know what is right, but here we have a choice. You can do what's right and that door will stay closed. Or you can follow the wrong path and that door will open and that thing that's waiting on the outside will come in and control you. Let me say that again. You can do what's right and that door will stay closed. Sin will stay outside. But if you do what is wrong, sin that's waiting outside will come in and seek to control and dominate and rule your life. There is a choice. God shows Cain the choice. Isn't that something? So we know here that the father personifies sin. In other words, he gives it a, like a personality. He says that it is crouching. It is not so much an it. It uh, is a being. It, it has a personality. Sin. It has a plan. It has a will. It has a, des a desire. And it also has the ability to control you, to control the human host. All right? Uh, we can let me show you just a few verses about uh, sin's ability to control. All right. Um, in Psalm 119, verse 133, it says this. It says, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity that is sin have dominion over me, have dominion over me. It says, order my steps in thy word. And let not iniquity or sin have dominion over me. We see a difference once again between uh, the word of God, what is right, and sin having dominion or control over us. And in, uh, in Romans the sixth chapter, Romans six, it says this: Romans six, verses eleven through fourteen. It says, "Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin." 
but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckon yourselves to be dead. Sin comes around. You've seen some some movies where um, maybe some animal or something comes around and it sniffs the person. They say, "Just be, don't move, don't move. Just, just, just lay there. Just let it sniff or whatever. Just don't move." And you, oh, don't move. Okay. And it sort of sniffs and it goes by. Reckon yourselves to be dead, lifeless unto sin. Are you hearing? But alive unto God uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at verse number 12 if you're there. Romans uh, 6, 12 it says, Let sin not reign, rather let sin therefore, rather one more time, Romans 6 verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Don't allow sin to have the control. Are you hearing me? Let's do a little bit of drawing. I know how you love my drawings. All right, and here we have here, that's gonna be, that's gonna be Cain this week. All right, oh, you know, whatever. That's... All right, and we have the door, right? We got the door here, door knob there. And we have this little thing here, whatever. <laughs> we'll call that the sin on the outside of the door, okay? I won't quit my day job. All right. So here we have here. Sin lies at the door that we have the same decision making process. The same thing is happening here in a Romans uh, six verse 12. It says again, let not sin, let not sin, let not sin. Therefore reign or rule or control or have control or dominion in your mortal body. Remember, sin wants to control, ultimately control your body. And when sin controls your body, you will lose things. The wages of sin, what it will pay you is death. Something will die. But in this series of Kings and Me, what we're trying to do in this series of what the Lord is doing, and I pray that we're picking it up, is that he is helping us to decipher or undo the control that that thing has over us. He's breaking the bonds. He's breaking the control. Are you hearing? How many of you would agree that uh, there were some things that you knew were wrong, you knew they were wrong, but you did them anyway? And it always turned out wrong, turned out bad, always. Many of the shortcomings and decisions, bad decisions we made were through that thing called sin. And it cost us dearly worry and agony and pain and stress. All these things came about because we yielded to sin. Hallelujah. All right. 
So, but now we are born again. Romans 6 talks to the born again believer, and it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, meaning that we have a choice. Verse 13 says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as though that those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments uh, of righteousness unto God. Look at verse 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? For ye are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall not. Remember? The Lord told Cain there in the, in the beginning in the book of Genesis, the fourth chapter, he says, thou shalt rule over him. This was prophetic. The Lord was speaking to Cain prophetically speaking to us today that we will have the power, the ability, the authority to rule over sin. We'll have the authority to tell it no. Now here again, anytime sin comes, it never was going to ask you to do something that you don't want to do. You must already have a desire in you to do it. Cain was already thinking about, oh, I can't stand that Abel. Oh, he get on my last nerve. There's already a desire in you to do this thing. Anytime this entity, this spirit, this, uh, this thing called sin or any fallen demonic power, anytime it, it, uh, brings itself into your presence, it's only going to try to influence you to do the things that you already have a desire to do. It's not going to try to influence you to do, do something that's way out in left field because, you know, your human soul, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to erase this just for a second. The human soul itself is extremely powerful. Remember, man is um, in three parts. Man is actually a spirit. We uh, have a soul. We possess a soul and we live in this body. Okay? Spirit, soul, and body. All right. When you are born again, it is a spirit of you, your real, the real you, the part of you uh, that will exist forever. The eternal part of you, we can say, um, it is not the body, but it is the spirit. This is the real you. This is the part that is made new. Okay. Not recreated. No, we are brand new. You are something, you are a being that has never existed before once you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We put off of the old man. And the, when, and the Lord says, behold, we are new. We are born again. We are born again, all right? New creature. It is a soul of man. It is your soul that houses your um, memory, that houses your will, that houses your emotions, memory, emotions, uh, yeah, emotions, and your intellect. All of that is housed, all that is housed right there in your soul. That's why after you die, now the spirit possesses the soul, okay? When we die, just like uh, when the rich man uh, died, rich man Lazarus died, the rich man still remembered Lazarus. 
Why? Because that soul is also eternal. The spirit possesses the soul. When the Lord Jesus comes back for his church, we're going to get a new body, not a new spirit and soul. Okay, we'll get this body that we have was geared, was was um, designed to inhabit this earth during this time. This is not an eternal body. It won't go eternally. So that's why we'll have to have a new body that is developed after him that looks like him. All right. So he's going we're going to receive a new body. Thank God. Amen. We're going to receive a brand new body. So this body only lasts for a moment, but the soul, uh, when a spirit comes, what it will try to do, it can't inf necessarily influence your spirit if you are born again, but it will influence your soul. It tries to get into your mind. See that's your, let me put this, in, I forgot to put mine here. It will try to influence your mind, try to influence your thinking in your soulless realm. And it will speak to to the ear, maybe through someone else. Girl, I wouldn't do that. I would do this and that and the other, you know, whatever. It tries to give you all these thoughts and feelings. And you can have thoughts that have come up in your head, come up in your mind that are not yours. You surely can. These, they have the ability to speak a thought, speak a thought right into your mind. Now, demonic powers or demonic spirits cannot read your mind. Only God can do that, but they can implant a thought in your mind as a seed, either through, uh, uh, through television or through someone else's speaking or, or actually in your dreams as well. You will see, you will notice different in, in different seasons of your life. You will actually see yourself, you're dreaming and you see yourself doing something in a dream and wonder why would I do that? Well, the demonic has the ability to proclaim or to um, uh, to um, portray themselves as you in a dream and put those thoughts there. And then you wake up and you have these feelings. You can wake up with lustful feelings. You can wake up with uh, hate. You can wake up in depression and all these things can go over and can go over or rather can go on in the night seasons when you are sleeping this is why it is uh, very necessary for you as they say say your prayers before you go to bed ask the lord to watch over your mind when you go to bed ask him to keep you even in your dreams because you can wake up having these feelings that are not yours and wonder why in the world am i feeling this way well, in the night seasons, you're vulnerable. You're vulnerable, and you're going to have to ask the Lord, Lord, cover me as I sleep. Cover me as I rest. Let the, I apply the blood of Jesus to my soul, to my mind, to my emotions as I rest. Help me to awaken refreshed in your presence. Are you hearing? These things, these spirits can influence us in the waking hours and also in the sleeping time as well. So you have to be prepared for that. So they'll try to come in and bring thoughts or, or feelings, thoughts or feelings into the soul to gain access to the body. That's his main focus. It wants to control the body, right? If you really are, they say, jonesing for something, 
If you really get a strong desire for something, a really strong desire for something, where's that desire kept? It's kept or housed in the soul. And if you really have a strong desire for something or, or for a person, that desire is only going to stay in the soul only for so long before you begin to act it out. You understand? So I pray we're getting, I pray you're getting this today. And so the scripture says, don't allow sin to control or rule your or rule over or to reign in your mortal body. Now, in order to do that, that means that the door has to be continually shut. Don't open the door. Don't open the door. Don't open the door to it. You have to declare it. I, I close the door to the demonic. I close the door to bad feelings and emotions. I close it right now in the name of Jesus. I close those doors of those uh, evil influences around my life. I close those doors in the name of Jesus. And I open the door to the Lord. I open the door to the Holy Spirit that your word would flow freely and abundantly in me and through me today. That you would use me for your glory today in the name of Jesus. You have the power, again, of the door. You have the power of the door. Remember, Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. You have the power to either uh, leave the door shut and let Jesus out, or you can let him in and experience his presence. You have the, the authority to open the door to sin, or you have the authority to keep the door closed to sin. But the thing that we're looking at today is why in the world would we want to even open the door to it? Now, the Bible says that sin has pleasure. Sin has pleasure. And if this pleasure is rooted in our bodies, if it's rooted in our soul, we'll be more inclined to open the door to it. But every time, again, every time we open the door to sin, every time we open the door to these wrong desires, when you open the door... All kind of mess comes in. Okay? Now, normally as well, when you open the door to one thing, let's say uh, you we've had a very bad, um, uh, let's say, anger issue. And you open the door and um, the sin says, well, you need to tell them off. You need to cuss them out. You need to really give them a piece of your mind. You really need to let them have it. And you open the door to that. Well, not just not just that um, the sin of cussing you're now you know made vulnerable to, but there's also hatred that will come in right behind it. There's also malice that will come in right behind it. One sin will need will lead to the next, and you'll find that one's particular spirit will hold the door open for others to come in. Let's say someone says, well, uh, well, there's a spirit of lust and, and we're going to let, we're just going to do this little bit right here. We're just going to, just going to watch this little movie or just going to, or just go over here and try to find this person, all that stuff. Well, you open that door and you engage in that activity, but right behind it, uh, may be some form of, um, uh, sexually transmitted disease. You open right, right behind that may be, uh, emotional distresses or, or other issues that comes in right behind it. You're not just going to get one. It's kind of like lace potato chips. You, just, you can't just eat, have one. One spirit will open the door to more. And eventually we'll find ourselves in worse shape than we were before. All right. So it's kind of like if you, you lie to cover up this thing, 
Well, because we lied to cover up that thing, then we got to lie to cover up that thing. We got to lie to cover up that, and it keeps on, it keeps going, going. It keeps spiraling and spiraling and spiraling. One thing will lead to the next. One compromise will lead to the next compromise. So what we're doing now is diffusing the enemy's hand and allowing us to see clearly what is at the door. And the Lord is giving us the authority and the ability to keep the door shut. Now, let me show you something here in Romans, the sixth chapter. Let's go to Romans, the sixth chapter, Romans six, Romans, uh, the sixth, rather, I'm sorry, Romans, the seventh chapter, Romans, the seventh chapter. And we're going to go ahead and start at verse number 17. Now, you need to declare, declare with me, I have power over sin. I have power over sin. All right. Now, again, the, the, the power of sin is rooted, is going to be rooted, a much, a great deal of it is going to be rooted within the soul, within desire. Okay. All right. Romans 17, rather Romans the seventh chapter. I'm just going to read just for a moment, if you, if you will allow me, uh, verse 15 through 25. Romans 7, verse 15 through 25, and then we'll come back and look at this. It says here, uh, for that out of the King James Version, for that which I do, I allow not, or the word allow there really means, you may find this in your margins, it means understand. For that which I do, I allow or I understand not. I I don't understand what I'm doing. I, I don't understand. It says, for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that's what I do. What I I, I want to do right, but I don't understand why I keep doing something wrong. I don't understand it. What I what I want to do, I don't do, but what I hate, I find myself doing. So this, we already see the two natures here again. We already see the nature of man wanting to do what is right. And we see the nature of sin. On the other side, and there is a warring on the inside of us, uh, warring for the door. The enemy wants to open the door, and we want to keep that door shut. All right? Verse 16 says, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Verse 17, Now then, it is no more I that do it, but who? Sin that dwelleth in me. Do you see that? He said, it's not me that's doing this, but it's sin. Sin did it. Who broke the cookie jar? Who was me, mommy? It was sin. Sin did it. It was him. It was him. It was him. Well, sin doesn't have a body. He'll have to use somebody's body. Are you understanding? I want you to see here again the two persons here. Now, we saw in the book of Genesis that um, we could clearly see Cain here and sin over there. But now as we hear in the book of Romans, there's no longer uh, the person here and sin over there. Now, Paul says that the sin is in him. It has moved from the door to in us. Are you hearing Oh, this is deep stuff here. Verse 17 says again, 
now then, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. Sin lives in me. No longer at the door, it's in me now. And he's a born-again believer. Are you hearing? Let's try to go ahead and read it here. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would do, rather for the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin, which is in my members. O oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of, rather, who shall deliver me uh, from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Now, let me, let me read this to you, a little bit this to you out of the New Living Translation. It brings this a little bit closer to home for us. And then I believe we're going to just stop just shortly here today. Verse 17 out of the New Living Translation says this. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Verse 18. And I, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature or sin-filled nature. King James calls it flesh. He said, I know that uh, in my flesh, in my sin nature, there is nothing good there, nothing good living in me. Now, he says again that sin lives in, King James says, flesh. But the true interpretation is that sinful nature. Now, if sin only abided in your flesh, if we cut off of your right arm and your right leg, then that means you should have less desire to do wrong. Isn't that right? If we cut off all of your legs, or both your legs and both of your arms, as if, as if you had a lot of them, but if we cut off your legs and your arms and you just had a torso and a, and a head, if we set that person that says a man, set that man in a chair, and if there was a pretty lady in a micro skirt that walked by, do you think he was still lust after her? So that tells you that this, oh, okay, we take the body away and just leave him as a head hooked up to some type of machine. You think that he would still lust after her? Absolutely. So the sin is not abiding in the body, in the flesh. It's within the soul. It's how we interpret those signals. Are you hearing? It's how we've trained ourselves to think. That's why the Bible declares, and we'll look at this next time, we have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. We can see the same picture, but have, we can draw different conclusions. 
We may see the micro skirt and one person sees it and says, ooh, 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 ooh. But another person may say, oh, I bet you she's cold. Bless her heart. Are you hearing? Seeing the same pictures. That's handled in the soul. It's handled in the soul. Let me read the, finish reading this a little bit to you, then we're going to uh, close out. So he says, I know that nothing good lives in me that is in the soul. Are you hearing? Because he's, we know he's not talking about the spirit because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we know that the temple is not, uh, we say that, well, the body is a temple. Yes, the body is a temple, but the Holy Ghost is not necessarily housed in your body. If he were, when we cut off everything but your head, do you have less Holy Spirit now? And if that would be the reason, then all of us need to be about a thousand pounds because the more flesh we have, the more Holy Ghost we can have. Are you hearing me? If my body is housed in the Holy Spirit, hey, let's expand and get more Holy Ghost. So he's not talking about the Holy Ghost dwelling in your body. It's your spirit that houses the Holy Spirit. Your spirit man, the real you. He, we house the Holy Spirit in our spirit man. Spirit houses spirit. Are you hearing me? Here again, if you are born again. Now, if the person is not born again, the Holy Spirit is not there in the house. He is not there housing the spirit. If the person is unregenerated, they don't have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, well, then demonic spirits have access into spirit of that person. Are you hearing me? But being born again, demonic powers do not have access into your human spirit because the Holy Spirit is already there. And what fellowship has light with darkness? None whatsoever. All right. Let me go ahead and land this plane. I want to land this plane. Verse number 19 says, uh, I want to do what is good, but I, I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Does that sound like anybody in here? He said, but if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Now, where would those desires be living? In the soul realm. Okay. Now, the soul is only a certain size. A soul, your human soul, cannot house infinite things. It is. It has a finite, all of our souls have a finite um, uh, amount of space. That's just like, just like a glass. Just like we, we made the example for of a glass, right? I mean, you can keep on pouring water in it, but it's going to keep on coming out, right? It's only so much that it can contain. When your human soul contains the word of God and contains the things of God, uh, when the enemy comes in with his mess, and if your soul is filled, he can bring it in, but it's going to flow right back out. The problem happens when we are not filled with the word of God, and he pours his stuff in into the soul, and we contain his thoughts, his desires, and his plans, and then we begin to act them out. All right? He says, I, I am not really the one doing wrong. It is uh, sin. Um, it is sin living in me that does it. Verse 21, 
Uh, I have uh, discovered the principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God. I love God's law with all my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. There's another power within me that's in warring, that's warring against my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin um, that is still within me. All right, we'll stop right there for a moment. Now, I want to bring a few things to your attention. Here again, when the Bible talks about, when the King James talks about uh, sin in the flesh, it's speaking about our unrenewed nature or our unrenewed soul. Okay, your spirit man, the real you, is it's new in God. It is it houses the Holy Spirit. You're good to go. You're sure for heaven as if you were already there, but it is a soul that has not been changed. We have to renew the soul ourselves. We have to renew our thinking, our mind, our will. Remember, the will controls your human will controls whether the door is open or closed. Your human will does that. Are you hearing? Oh, God, help me. It says, he says, in me, and when he's saying in me, he's not talking about his body. He's talking about the wrong desires that are in his soul. Now here, I want you to hear this. We must constantly feed our new nature with the word of God. Constantly. Just like your natural body, here again, everything in the natural is a shadow of the real, shadow of the invisible. The way your natural body reacts to food is the same way your spiritual body or your soul reacts to the word of God or to other wisdom that is put in it. Please hear this. Just like, just like the natural body, um, just like with the natural body, food doesn't last forever. You can be full one moment and a few hours later hungry again. Isn't that right? The food or energy is burned up during your daily activities. Okay? By the same token, we cannot last off of one feeding a week. Your physical body can't last off of one meal a week. Just like your soul cannot last in the things of God one meal a week. Just as this body burns off, um, your body burns off the food that it eats, so does your soul burn off the word that it consumes. I'm telling you, the soul burns off the word. When you're in trials or tribulations and you're really in a difficult emotional time, you're really going through different emotional things, you're going to require more of the word of God. Just like when you are, if you have to run a race, run a marathon, or do something very uh, that's re really physical, physically exerting, it's going to require you drinking more and eating more to put that back in you. It is the same thing with the Word of God. Now, here's the thing that enemy does not want you to know, and I don't know who's going to hear this. So I'm going to, I'm just going to say it. The enemy does not want you to continue to consume the Word of God because he knows that. If you eat the word of God today, and if you go without the word of God for the rest of the week, your soul will get spiritually hungry and spiritually empty. And once that happens, you leave him more room to pour in his wisdom and his way and his desire. 
And you'll find yourself going uh, through a roller coaster ride. One day you're up with God, you're feeling good. The next day you're down and all these other desires and things come into play. The enemy knows how to watch you. He knows how to track your actions. If you stay away from the word of God and only get fed one time a week, you will find you will be a carnal Christian, a carnal believer, and you will be consumed by the enemy's desires. You have no other choice. Your soul can only house so much. So we have to continuously replenish ourselves with the word of God. Continuously put the word of God in us. Put the word of God in us. Then we will act like God. Be like God. Be like him. And as we are like him, the enemy's thoughts cannot remain. It cannot remain. It cannot remain. So I pray today that you'll make a decision for the Lord to continually put his word in you because only by putting his word in you can you resist the thing that's on the other side of that door if you refuse if you refuse to feed yourself the word of god understand the soul uh, your uh, just your the human nature wants to survive the human nature wants to survive the word of god is comfort the word of God is comfort to your soul. And if the soul cannot find comfort in the word, in the real, it will find comfort elsewhere. Just as fallen spirits, disembodied spirits walk around in dry places trying to find comfort. So you, as you are a spirit, but you have a body, but the real you, your spirit and your soul still desires comfort. And there's only one way to find comfort, and that is through the word of God. And if we do not uh, yield to the comfort that comes through the word of God, we're going to go out and try to find comfort other places. And that's exactly why, uh, why Eve, not Eve, but exactly why Cain opened the door was to find comfort from the pain that he was in. And that's exactly what you're going to do. If you don't get the word of God in you, your soul will try to fill itself with comfort to ease the pain. What pain? The pain of living, the pain that you've been going through, the disappointments, the trials, the tribulations, the different things that, um, that really that are really just uh, destroying your life we will try to find comfort but there's only one place of comfort one source of comfort true comfort and that's in the word of god i pray you heard the word of god today we're done in jesus mighty name we bless you lord so much we bless you lord so we pray that you are richly blessed by today's message we would love to connect with you just go to our website at kingdomrock.org you can become our friend on facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.